0: Patrick Mahomes, okay, he 10 points. When he's sitting on the toilet, grunting, what comes out is 10 points. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody as always. And you know what? We have a BAFO big time show today. What the hell is a BAFO? What's a BAFO? You know, it's like BAFO, man. It's like uh, back in the day, if if uh, if if a movie did great at the box office, it was doing BAFO business. That was Variety. That's Are
1: we in variety. reruns? Are we in reruns? Have we already done this topic like in one of our other forty episodes? What BAFO? I think I'm pretty I'm gonna listen back. I'm pretty sure in one of our other forty episodes. We began with you saying it was a Bafo episode, and me okay. saying, "What is Bafo?" I'm gonna you listen back.
0: Okay, I'm not sure because I'm a Bafo guy, and uh, and you always question me because you're not a Bafo guy. And by the way, so you don't have to mention it. My voice is just awful, and I apologize. I'm like, it's like you're listening to sandpaper right now. Okay, this is ridiculous. I apologize. I'm gonna start exactly. drinking more tea. But listen, we are gonna get to a bunch of stuff we want to talk about uh, eventually. We're gonna talk about dolphins chiefs because the you know the uh, man Patrick Mahomes, okay? He sh- ten points when he's sitting on the toilet grunting. Sounds painful. What comes out is 10 points. I mean, this guy dolphins were head to nothing, and nobody on the face of the earth was going, Wow, all right, Dolphins. No, I was. was what are you talking out? about? Okay, I well, thought the
1: dolphins are gonna
0: win. Okay, <laughs> all right, you and nobody else, but first. Man, we got an interesting guest. Chris Cody, book this guest. We talked to Zazie Todd,
1: a, an animal behavior expert. She is such a delight. We didn't really know what to expect going into our interview with her. And we knew she was an animal, like mainly dogs and cats. She's got all the credentials and she is just a delight on top of all that. We had a really fun conversation with her. We talk about everything from my dad's weirdness with his pets to just general pet questions that any pet owner would be interested in. It was such a delightful conversation and you guys should hear it. Here it is.
0: Welcome to the podcast, uh, please. Animal behavior expert, Zazie Todd, PhD and author of WAG, The Science of Making Your Dog Happy. Um, she is an adjunct professor in anthro- anthrozoology that's a that's a big one at uh, Canisius College. Uh, she's also a Psychology Today blogger and a bunch of other stuff. A uh, real and-
1: slacker, a real slacker.
0: This Zazie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just say animal expert. Let's uh let let's go that far. Uh, welcome.
2: Hi, thanks for having me on the show. It's great to chat um, with you.
0: Yeah, we're we're thrilled to have you. And uh, so many people can relate to this because it seems like everybody either. Has a dog or a cat, or know someone who does? I mean, they're they're sort of a part of all of our lives. And I have a a dog named Riley. Hold on, and, Dad. Dad, can I jump
1: in? My dad, Zazzy. Yeah. I'm sorry. My dad likes to make everything in this thing about himself. And as <laughs> the producer of this podcast, I would like before we get to just my dad yammering about his dog. I would like you to explain to the audience and talk to the audience just about what you do, your relationship with animals and your expertise uh, in a broad sense.
2: Okay, well, I do want to hear about the dog and cat because I love hearing about other people's pets. Oh, <laughs> we
0: will, we will. Thank you. So,
2: so long as we can get to that. Yeah, so yes. my background is in psychology, human psychology, I have to say, but that's actually very relevant when it comes to talking about pets because so much of our interactions with them is actually on us and how we think about them and how we decide to care for them. And so I wrote WAG, The Science of Making Your Dog Happy, because I had two dogs, Ghost and Bodger. Ghost sadly passed while I was, before I finished writing the book, and you can read about that in the book, very sadly Mm. Bodger passed earlier this year, unfortunately. So I'm currently dogless and only have two cats. But I wrote WAG because I wanted to learn more about how to make my own dogs happy. And with my background in psychology, I read a lot of stuff on the internet. I watched a lot of TV shows and I kept thinking, huh, this is a bit weird. This doesn't fit with what I you know, I've taught my students over the years and what I know about animal behavior. And what I found when I started doing some real research is that there's this field of canine science that really took off, which is scientists finding out all about dogs. And it's absolutely fascinating. And it's very relevant to how we interact with dogs in our daily lives. So that's one thing. On top of that, I am a dog trainer. Um, so I graduated from the prestigious Academy for Dog Trainers, which is known as the Harvard of dog training. It's an awesome course, and I have a wow. certificate, an advanced certificate in feline behavior from International Cat Care. I take clients. I've volunteered at the, my local animal shelter. So I love working with animals and talking to people about animals and pets. And I tried to put a lot of advice from that into my book. So it's a science book, but it's packed with advice, right through from getting a puppy to when you have a senior dog and you need to give them a bit of extra care, or you have to think about the end of a dog's life.
0: So um, you do take on clients then. In other words, um, somebody will will come to you with, with a dog who's a problem or trouble or an issue or how does that work when you say that you or is it just yeah. puppies or do you just no, get young dogs?
2: I, I actually I don't do puppy classes. I kind of would love to do puppy classes because it would be so much fun. But I that's too
1: basic, though. <laughs> Anybody can do puppy classes. Lots of right? people,
2: there are some good puppy classes in my area, so I have good people to refer to. And I I like really working, especially with fearful animals and helping animals that have had a tough time learn. You know that the world is a safe place and that their people are, are safe to hang out with but because of the pandemic at the moment i only take clients over zoom um so i don't go to people's houses at the moment i, I have discussions with people over zoom and mostly i've been taking cat behavior cases
0: mm. and and what is what is a common cat issue that would have someone coming to you for counsel
2: um a lot of cat issues are really to do with inappropriate uh soiling in the house, basically. Um, okay. <laughs> that's a common thing and that's something for which people always need to see a vet first because often actually there is a medical issue. Sometimes that's all of it, but sometimes that's just a part of it. And sometimes stress is involved. Other common cat behavior problems would be scratching in places where the owner doesn't like. And that often comes down to providing really good scratching posts, because one thing we know is that people often provide scratching posts that are too short. And cats like to really be able to get a good stretch when they're scratching. Um, And scratching is a natural behavior for cats. So we have to give them somewhere to scratch. Um, That would be another common thing.
1: Now let me jump in there and Greg, dad, we can take this personal now because my dad has a cat and do you guys have a scratching post for the cat dad? Because do you know? Okay. See, I think you need to get one because we've had an issue with that cat where that cat has twice just flat out at like, not attacked, but like jumped on my brother who he has the best relationship with, right? Like my brother is the closest with the cat in the house. And my brother oftentimes will stay overnight at his girlfriend's house for so maybe they, they've thought that that's maybe why because he's not there enough. But what 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 explanation would you give for a cat that has a good relationship with an owner but a few times has like jumped on his back from his bed and like attacked him somewhat?
2: Like uh, being aggressive or playing?
1: No, it seemed aggressive. It like he aggressive. said his ears. He said his ears were back and it like well, looked
2: ouch <laughs> so <laughs> there's two things there because there there is like scratching is a normal behavior so to go to that one first cats really like to have good scratching posts they like tall scratching posts and they like multi-level cat trees that they can scratch and if you have like a multi-level cat tree it also gives them somewhere high up to be where they can feel safe so as for cats and aggression often aggression is actually due to fear in some way so one thing that might happen is if he's there sometimes and not there at other times maybe when he comes back he smells different than he used to especially if there's been other animals um, like other cats or even the dog in the place where he's been and he maybe comes back smelling of them it may be that the cat doesn't like that um, but once he's acclimatized and smells more like you know, normal from the cat's perspective, that it's okay. Um, I would say with an aggressive cat, if, if a cat looks like they're going to be aggressive, don't approach them because cat bites can actually be quite serious and they can easily get infected. Dazzy, I wanted
0: to tell you again that, that I have a dog named Riley. It's a, a mixed breed that resembles a small German Shepherd. Wonderful dog, great disposition, minds very well. Uh, but but has an annoying habit or two. And I want to tell you one thing my dog does and tell me if this is in any way normal. Um, <clears throat> there's a commercial that comes on TV regularly down here. It's for Duluth brand uh, men's underwear. And uh, on the commercial is is something very big and red, like it's a red color themed commercial. Every time that commercial comes on and for no other commercial, my dog runs to the TV, looks up at the TV, and just starts barking incessantly at this one particular commercial, and uh, I'm a dog lover, and I love my dog, but I'm gonna have to tell you, uh, a dog never seems dumber to me than when he's barking at a TV, okay, (laughs) if I can see that, and how, how would you describe my dog's behavior in this instance?
2: <laughs> so there's obviously something in that particular advert that gets your dog's attention. And I would have a question for you as to what happens when you turn the sound off. So if is it the sound or the picture that your dog is Good responding question. to? But you know, every dog has their quirks. And I have to say, I think one of the things that we love about our pets is that they are all individual in some way. And if your dog's just barking and they stop when the commercial ends, it's maybe a bit annoying, but it's not serious.
0: Right. <laughs> would um would you agree with me that a dog never seems dumber than when barking at a TV?
2: <laughs> oh, I never think a dog seems dumb. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was like, you're not gonna get that out of daddy. I know, but I had to
2: ask. Yeah, you had, had to ask. ask.
0: <laughs> um Zazie, what do you think of um, of dog shows, the The idea that there are professional dogs out there who are paraded around in competitions?
2: Well, I, I have to admit, I do sometimes like watching them, um, and I like to see who wins. Um, however, for me, myself, um, my dogs were rescue dogs. One of them was a, a, an actual breed. The other was more of a mutt, um, and I like mutts as well. So I think on the one hand, I... I do enjoy these things. On the other hand, there are some genetic issues that some dog breeds have, which unfortunately can cause health issues. And that would be especially the case for dogs with flat faces. And the technical term for that is brachycephaly. And unfortunately, some of the dogs with flat faces, so I'm thinking especially of French bulldogs and pugs. They can have breathing issues, which you've probably noticed if you've seen that kind of dog around. Sometimes you notice that they sound like they're having breathing issues, and that's because of how they're bred. And that's kind of a difficult problem to solve, but it would be nice to see some attempts made to actually breed in a slightly longer muzzle so that they don't have those health issues. And I'm not a vet, but I, I think this is something that vets and breeders together probably have to work on, because it's really sad when you see a dog that is struggling to breathe, basically. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I think these are lovely dogs. I actually really love French bulldogs. Yeah. I think they have wonderful personalities. Um, but when you see one that that is snuffling and snorting and snoring and struggling to breathe, that is quite sad to see. So
0: Zazie, it seems like um, the stereotype of dogs and cats, and I have one of each, is that, you know, the dog tends to be the the tail wagging, happy-go-lucky animal, whereas the cat is stereotyped as more aloof or more standoffish or what have you. In my case, my cat would love to be closer physically to the dog. Sometimes the cat wants to rub up against the dog and the dog wants nothing to do with it. Uh, is, is there a way to encourage my two animals to become closer as brother and sister, or should I just be fine with the dynamic they, they have?
2: I think if they actually tolerate each other quite well, which it sounds like they do, I would be fine with that myself. I think it's always very sweet when you see a cat and a dog cuddling up together. But if, if the dog doesn't want it, then you probably don't want to force it. But cats like to rub their head on. on they probably rub their head on you, like your cat probably oh, yeah. does that a lot. And if cats live with other cats, they will rub their head on each other. Uh, it's called bunting. Or when they rub bunting. their whole bodies, it's aloe rubbing. And it's part of... Of their social behavior um, and basically with other cats that are part of their same social group they will rub their heads or rub their bodies together and sometimes intertwine their tail so this is your cat wanting mm-hmm. to say to your dog that they are part of the same social group
1: talking to zazie todd check out her book wag the science of making your dog happy wherever you get books and also she also has a blog you can check out companionanimalpsychology.com You want to see that she's on Twitter and Facebook at Companion Animal Psychology, and she's on Instagram at Zazzy Todd. We really appreciate your time today. We have a little bit more, hopefully, we can squeeze a little bit more out of you. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, because I feel like you've been so delightful so far, so we got to get the other side of Zazzy Todd here, and we got to talk bad about some people. What's the thing that people do with pets, cats, or dogs that really bothers you the most? Like maybe your top three pet peeves.
2: Well, I'll I'll give you my top one and hope it doesn't apply to either of you because I saw you both nodding when I said it's a good idea to use food to train dogs. Unfortunately, yes. some people use still use aversive methods to train dogs, like shock collars, for example. And that is old-fashioned now. Um, people used to do that. Unfortunately, people still sometimes do. But now we have a lot of science that shows that unfortunately, using aversive methods, and that includes leash corrections as well, um, or a prong collar, um, this has risks for animal welfare and it, it risks causing more fear, more aggression, and it risks a worse relationship with the owner. And I think for a lot of dog lovers that's intuitive that you can understand that it it has that effect but unfortunately because dog training is not regulated and there still are trainers that use shock collars there still are people using shock collars if someone is listening to this and that's what they do it's really a much better idea to use food to train dogs because it's effective dogs like it it's it's food enrichment because you give them different kinds of food than their kibble and science has even shown that dogs will run faster for a piece of sausage compared to a piece of kibble (laughs) which I think is a really lovely finding. <laughs> so you know, it's it's worth finding what motivates your dog so I think that's the main
0: one um yeah I want to uh take a serious turn for just a second here because you'd mentioned that um uh you've lost a, a couple of dogs um recently and and we lost uh, our dog Sandy and Christopher and I were at the vet where when Sandy was put to sleep and and it was an I knew it would be emotional, but it was an unexpected emotional. We moment both were. For me.
1: We both were. Neither of us had really ever really cried in front of each other, and we were both sobbing, Zazie. Yeah, sobbing. yeah. I can and, believe and it. Wondering. And we saw, and we saw it coming too. Like it was weeks in the making. She she was struggling. She couldn't get up, and then it, she finally was just laying there, and she was just like looking at us, like it's time. And, and but but like this wasn't a quick thing. Like we had time to prepare for it, and it just when it happened, sobbing.
2: Yeah, I can believe it. I'll be solving it in a minute just thinking about it. I think oh. it's it's really hard. And if you haven't been through it before, sometimes it takes people by surprise, just the depth of the emotion that you feel. But with your pets, they are a family member, basically. You spend so much time together every day, especially now during the pandemic, but even before, you know, even if you went out to work, you still spend so much time with your pet and they mean such a lot to you and provide social support. And it is a big loss. And there's actually research that shows it's a big loss. And I think sometimes people who don't understand will say it was just a dog or it was just a cat. It's not, it's a family member. It is a real loss and it takes time to grieve. And it's it's a really hard thing to go through. Um, when we lost Bodger, we were actually really lucky because we got an extra four and a half months with him. We almost lost him last year he was suddenly taken very ill he had to have his spleen removed in an emergency surgery and it turned out to be a type of cancer called hemangiosarcoma which we were told most dogs only live for sometimes only one month sometimes three months if you're lucky after the surgery and we got an extra four and a half months and we treasured every single one of those days and we knew obviously all of that time we knew that the end was coming sometime soon and still it really hit us myself and my husband it was just really hard and it, it just is I think it's important to recognize that and um, I wrote a chapter in WAG about the end of a dog's life because it's it's so hard making these decisions about your dog's quality of life and when the end is but I said in the chapter if this is a, a raw topic for you you can leave it and skip that chapter completely and come to it later because you know I think we have to recognize that this just is a very difficult thing to go through and it's easier when you have social support and your friends and your family recognize that it is a big loss compared to when people say it was just a dog and they don't understand.
0: I wonder if um, your expertise in this area um, helped you deal with it, or was it just as difficult as it otherwise would have been, do you think, Um, saying goodbye to a dog, uh, knowing why you're feeling those emotions, but yet feeling them anyway I, I, I'm not even sure
2: that's a really great if- question though and I think honestly like it's just it just it's terrible losing a dog was just awful and you know Bodger was the most wonderful dog you can read about him in the book he was absolutely lovely he had a few issues but he was absolutely lovely and he he meant such a lot to me and you know I still miss him and it's even intellectually you might know that you're going to be grieving and you need time to grieve I think it helps to know that you need to give yourself that time to grieve. That's probably what helps. But apart from that, the emotions are just the same and you just have to work through those emotions.
0: We love our dogs. We love our cats. You know, people who have fish and turtles probably love them just as much. I don't know. But is a dog or a cat easier to love? Is that even possible to to answer that? Because it seems to me that, and I've had both, it seems to me that a dog is just easier to love. And I can't even explain why, but um, maybe the the cat requires more effort. I don't know. But what do you think in terms of um, if if someone who doesn't own a pet um, is interested in getting a dog or a cat, do you recommend one or the other to that person based on their personality?
2: Um, I think most people seem to be naturally drawn to one or the other. Like a lot of people will identify as a dog person or a cat person. So I, I think there aren't probably that many people who think, should I get a dog or should I get a cat? But you have to think about your own lifestyle. So with a dog, they need you to be home a bit more. They can't be left home alone for as long as a cat can. So if you're going to be out at work all day, then a cat is probably a better pet than a dog unless you have some friends or family who are going to be able to walk the dog in the middle of the day for you. Um, but each pet requires their own kind of thing so whichever you get you have to learn about what they need and be able to provide it for them if you like long walks and hikes and stuff where well, you can't really take your cat on a hike there are a few cats that that are adventure cats but most cats aren't and most cats would not enjoy that so if you're that kind of active person then a dog makes more sense but I think for most people they they already feel like they want one or the other
1: you mentioned earlier that, you know, you don't have a dog at the moment. You have two cats. Now I'm just imagining you walking through a kennel. I know it's a, a pandemic right now, but when you could like, do these dogs realize what a catch you would be as a dog <laughs> owner? Like nobody else is walking through that kennel. Nobody's given that thing a better home oh, than thank you, you <laughs> Like, I, If I'm, if I'm a dog in a kennel, I I mean, they, they have no way of probably knowing maybe they just smell it. <laughs> well,
2: the thing is when I do walk down, I, whenever I've been working with dogs, I've always had chicken on my person. So I've always thought they smell the chicken and they know that if they're good for me, they're going to get a piece of chicken. So they like me because of that. But you know, because I have two cats and one of my cats has diabetes, he was diagnosed with diabetes this year. And it's taken us a while to get him kind of level and sorted. He's he's doing well now. But at the beginning, it it, it was a bit awkward for a while. So we need to find a dog who is really good with cats already. And I'm sure the right dog is going to be out there. But, you know, everybody's adopting dogs at the moment. They don't stay in those kennels for long at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is great. Yeah. As an animal psychologist, uh, an expert in in dogs and cats in particular, uh, is there a lingering mystery about dogs or cats? Are, are, are there unanswered questions that-
2: There are lots of unanswered questions. And the thing that is so fascinating about the science in this area is that we can't ask them what they're thinking. We can't say to a dog or a cat what's going on in your head in the same way that with people, we can at least ask them to tell us what they think of something. But there have been some really nice designs of studies to find out. And I think one of the things that I like is when people do tests of optimism. Um, And so they train typically maybe a dog, they would train a dog that that there's a bucket on this side of the room, it's always going to have some chicken in it. There's a bucket on this side of the room, it doesn't have anything in it. If you go to that, you don't get a thing. And they train them on that and then they send them to a bucket, put a bucket in the middle of the room and see how fast they go there. And that's kind of a a measure of how optimistic they are that there's going to be chicken in the bucket. And I think so although we have all these questions about dogs and cats, it's really fascinating to see how people are finding ways to to fill in those gaps.
0: My dog, um, and, and we're going to let you go in a minute. Here we go again, hear more about his dog. Here we No, go. no, because you mentioned that, you know, dogs, obviously you can't ask an animal a question and all, but I feel like my dog makes an attempt at um, actually speaking. He just wants to do this bark thing that he does where he talks and barks. Here you go. Awesome. Go ahead, no, no. awesome. You'll know what I mean. Where a dog. I think it's a dog yawning and, and, Being a, the dog goes, (laughs) my dog goes like that. Like that kind of a noise.
1: But the dog's voice is much better quality than my dad's. (laughs) uh, Have you ever had any like scary encounters with animals in your career?
2: Uh, Okay, so the scariest encounter I have had with an animal was actually with a black bear. When we had only recently adopted Bodger and we took both Bodger and Ghost for a walk up a mountain near where we live and so you can tell i'm english this is I'm, my
1: nightmare this is am... my nightmare being in the woods and a bear like a... <laughs> go ahead keep okay going.
2: so um well i'm still here to tell the tale so you know yes. that part. <laughs> okay. That's great. but i'm english and i have been told about bears but i did not appreciate how common black bears are in the woods here so we went for a nice walk up this mountain um the dogs were off leash uh, we were turned around to come back and we saw this big big pile of bear poop <laughs> that was very very fresh it had not been there on our way up the mountain and then wow. we looked across we were in a clearing at that point and we looked across and there was a bear cub on the other uh, other side oh, of the no. clearing and our dogs were off leash so you can guess they went oh. running off after the bear cub and we needed to have had a better recall let's put it that way you yes. do not want your off-leash dogs to chase a bear cub Um, so we were calling them and calling them and the cub disappeared into the woods and our dogs did come back to us. Thank goodness too late. But you know, this was before I was taking clients. This was actually a long time ago. And, um, I think they would have come for something else. They had a pretty good recall, but we hadn't trained them well enough to cope with a bear cub.
1: (laughs) I I (laughs) Um, felt that story right there. That, that, that was, that sounds terrible. The dogs
2: came back to us and we put them on leash and we had to walk all the way back down the mountain. And all the way down the mountain, we could hear in the trees next to us the mama bear huffing and puffing and growling and breaking branches. She followed us all the way down the mountain, but she stayed. Thank goodness she stayed in the trees. And we did not run, we walked fast, but we didn't run because we thought if we run, she's going to chase us. Yeah, no, that's right. I have never been so relieved to see a road. We've had, a,
1: we've, ha, we, we've had it we've had we've had an another animal expert on before more like a, a zoo a zoologist like a guy that works at a zoo and he has a lot of animal experience and he's always I'm sure I don't know if you know this I'm giving you a little advice here now Zazzy if you ever come upon a bear it's make yourself large yeah. and hey bear hey yeah. let's yeah. practice give give us one zazzy hey bear
2: yep I say hey bear go away bear I actually sometimes yeah. have run out in my yard and shouted at a bear gonna, go away bear I'm,
1: I'm gonna need a little more ferocity from the voice but you save it for the real time all right you're too nice I don't know about you dad I got a few rapid fire questions I want to hit her with because we've kept you too long you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been great. Um, You're not a a vet. vet, So like this is probably a question, but I'm just going to ask you anyway, because I feel like you know the answer. Is a dog's mouth actually cleaner than a human's mouth?
2: Now that's a very good question, and I haven't actually thought about that. So oh, I you know, that's know. like I don't know. And like that's like is,
1: a, I think isn't that a saying? Isn't I think that's like a thing that but, people suffer if, if you
2: think about the things that dogs lick, like my that's what I'm saying. Don't am saying, he, he used to love to eat bear poop if we were on a yeah. walk, and there was because we had black bears in the neighborhood. Especially if that's, the bear had been eating apples, he loved it. So uh, that's
1: not that's, that's not, not the jeans. most <laughs> that's that's not the most disgusting thing I've seen my dog lick. If if you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. (laughs) There are some that there's often times where I'm looking at that and I'm like, this is this dog's mouth is cleaner. Like, do you see what this dog is doing right now? Anyways.
2: And then they want to lick you right after, which is really (laughs) gross.
1: (laughs) Another question that you might not have any idea about, but I'm just going to keep throwing them at my thoughts on people in their neighborhoods feeding ducks.
2: Well, I used to love it when I was a kid. I used to love taking bread to feed the ducks. But to be honest, these days, I think people say you're not supposed to feed any wildlife. And That's especially where funny. I live here, because we have black bears, we have coyotes, we have cougar. Um, we don't want any of these animals coming around causing problems. So we, it's, we have to be very careful with our garbage and not feed any wildlife at all.
1: Have you ever come across a dog that could not be trained?
2: No, all dogs can be trained. There are... Um, So there's kind of a myth that older dogs can't be but older dogs can learn as well but you do have to find what will motivate the dog so there are some dogs that will not work for kibble will not work for chicken they'll be like I need the cheese please or something like that so you have to find what works for the dog.
1: So are you, is Zazzy Todd, uh, animal behavior expert, PhD with you? are you prepared to say that you can teach an old dog new tricks?
2: You can teach old dogs new tricks. And wow, it's actually,
1: Zazie. it's really yeah. good for them. No
2: (laughs) Blowing my
1: mind here.
2: It's really good for them because it's it's cognitive enrichment. Training with food rewards or or play is a reward is really good enrichment for dogs. And it's really good for senior dogs. Even if they know all their behavior, you can teach them tricks instead of obedience. It's a really fun activity and it keeps their brains active.
1: This is going to make you know, it's going to make headline news. But Dazzy Todd (laughs) says, you can teach an old
0: dog. This is I need to leave. I need to drink. It's unbelievable. No, this has been great. We should end on that because it doesn't get any better than that. we have broken news by having an animal psychology expert reveal that you can teach an old dog new tricks. That's fantastic. Z- Zazzy,
1: um, can, can we, pr- can we promote anything else for you? Cause you've been so gracious with your time.
2: Uh, No, that's fine. If people want my book, Wag the Science of Making Your Dog Happy, it's available in all good bookstores. And you can find me on companionanimalpsychology.com, where you can read all about dogs, cats, and what science tells us about how to care for them.
0: Great. Well, we've we've enjoyed it. And um, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. It's been a real pleasure and a lot of fun as well. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Zazzy Todd. I feel like that she is just going to be our pet expert going forward on the Levitard show. Whenever, like, if it's something more pet specific and not animal, because I don't want to in- infringe on Ron McGill's turf, but something pet
0: specific. I do feel like we cheated on McGill just now. Yes. Um, right, because he's the animal guy, yes. quote unquote. But I feel we, dirty. I do feel yeah, dirty. I do too. It's just, it's terrible.
1: Nobody tell McGill that we did this. Zagaki. Are we really going to do this? Like, I, I feel like there's a tension in this podcast of where Greg Cody wants to do the the news of the day items with the South Florida sports. And I kind of feel that it's like, you know, tune out kind of stuff. And uh, I want to know, I'm interested to the audience to hear, I'll, I'll, like tweet at the Greg Cody show with your thoughts on whether you enjoy our, you know, South Florida sports roundup or whether it's kind of just, you know, take it or leave it. Um, I'm interested. So like, let us know on social media because there's a tension here. We're about to do it. We're about to do the South Florida Roundup with Greg Cody. But I'm just interested if the audience is into it or whether it's kind of two now.
0: Okay, Dolphins Chiefs, if I had told you before the game that they're going to have four takeaways, they're going to intercept Mahomes three times, and they're still going to lose. It, 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 it's such a weird it, – it's not a weird result because nobody surprised KC1. It's a weird way that the result happened because.
1: It's not that weird, is it though? I mean, the Dolphins have been a good team so far this season. The Chiefs have played a bunch of teams close. Like, I just feel like the game went exactly how it probably should have. A Dolphins team that's better than people thought played the Chiefs kind of well early on. And then the Chiefs showed who the Chiefs are. Like, this game was exactly the way it should have been played. Like, what what was surprising about this?
0: Yeah, but Mahomes does not get intercepted three times in a ah, game tipped
1: passes Go i on. know Football's tipped, football
0: yeah and, and and parenthetically uh to his first career pick was a tip pass as well but i do feel like um we learn more about the dolphins in this game than we did in them beating the jets and the Bengals. Uh, i mean here we actually found out who they are which is a pretty good team and ascending team but a team that has flaws is this the last day of Mount Gregmore? Oh, man. <laughs> I got a big announcement at the end of Mount Gregmore. And, and by the way, I don't want to overemphasize this. I am so conscious. It should be overemphasized. Emotions. This is bad. <clears throat> and I really apologize to people. But there's going to be a big announcement at the end of Mount Gregmore. Let's just put it that way. Before we get to that, uh, I want to mention I have been following U.M., football Miami Hurricanes football since actually I went to my first game and saw George Myra quarterbacking the team in like 1963 that's one of my first sports memories I've been following this Hurricanes team for decades the other night in a in a 62 they gave up 62 points game was at
1: the game was at 330
0: yeah it was just awful Um, They set an NCAA record for most rushing yards allowed. It was just literally the worst defensive performance I've ever seen from the Hurricanes. And it's just, I don't even know how to say it other than that. It was such a monumental disappointment because this is a team, this was a number 10 ranked team, Uh, eight and one, Uh, a win gets them a bid to the orange bowl and, and they just laid down. They were so awful. Uh, Did you watch any of that game? Because it was terrible.
1: Um, I did not watch a lot of it. But yeah, everything I saw was that it was just an epically bad defensive performance.
0: It was terrible. Beyond terrible. And now, very quickly before we get to Mount Gregmore, the Heat uh, start the season. Now, their first exhibition game is coming up. Um, There's these crazy James Harden rumors uh, floating around. What do you make of all that?
1: I'm torn. I mean, James Harden is an MVP. Like some analysts call him the greatest scorer of all time, like Michael Jordan included. Every indication implies that if he we were to get him, it would involve Tyler Hero. So the yes. Heat fan has been forced to answer the question of, would you rather have James Harden or Tyler Hero? After that finals performance and the age gap, I believe – I believe he's like 11 years younger than James Harden. I think James Harden's 31. He's 20. And like, I'm going to be that in the moment, prisoner of the moment, terrible Homer Heat fan that says (laughs) I'd rather have Tyler Hero's future than James Harden's future. That's right. I don't want James Harden. Get that noise out of here.
0: You know what? Um, uh, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think uh, it's a delicate balance that uh, they have to handle right now. I think the odds are it's not going to happen, but you're right. Nobody's off the board except uh, Bam Adebayo and maybe Jimmy Butler. Everybody else is on the table, including Tyler Hero. Well, I don't think Um, Tyler
1: Hero is. I think all the reports are is that Tyler Hero would need to be in the deal. And that's uh, what I mean. You haven't seen the deal happen, though. So, right. It appears Tyler Hero is not on the table.
0: Well, the only thing I know. Tyler Hero was
1: on the table. It
0: might have been done already. The only thing I know is Pat Riley likes a big splash. He likes to make big moves. Uh, He's always whale hunting. And so, you know, if I'm betting, it's not gonna happen, but I sure wouldn't rule it out. Makes it interesting uh, as the season starts. And now we get to the classic ending of Mount Gregmore. Is it the end? We'll have a word to say about that afterwards, but Every indication implies that this is not the end of Mount Gregmore
1: based off of your terrible oh, team.
0: Oh, oh ladies and gentlemen, our grand. I'm even Mount-
1: gonna I'm even gonna go out on a limb and say this is definitely not
0: the end of Mount Gregmore, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna spoiler alert. The Mount Gregmore name game wraps up today with what may be the greatest crescendo since that which bridges the third and fourth movements of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Christ. Since fairly early on on our podcast, too long we've been doing we've been counting down the most notable first names of each letter of the alphabet, bringing you the Mount Gregor, that's five, not four, of the most popular name of that letter based on U.S. government birth records over the past century. Well, today, we combine the X's, Y's, and Z's because there were no X names or Y names to make the government top 100 and only one Z name, Zachary. So we bring you the Greg Moore on steroids, a quick top 10 oh of the alphabets. Three caboose letters combined, featuring at least two names from each of those three letters. Still with me? Just okay. Quick. All right, first, as always, an honorable mention. Oh, so 11. Great. She was our guest on today's pod, animal psychologist Zazie Todd. She pronounces it Zazzy, like Jazzy, but it starts with a Z. That's okay. a good
1: start. I love Zazzy. That's a good start.
0: You. I know, right? We love Zazzy. And now the number 10 X, Y, or Z. He was the rising star rapper who died tragically at age 20, murdered, in 2018, Jesus. it's XXX Ten Why are there ten of these? Number nine, he was the youngest and le- but they're quick. He was a- <laughs> he was the youngest and last surviving of the famous comedy brothers, Zeppo Marx.
1: You did not think about your voice when you wrote ten of these.
0: Number eight, he's the American actor and singer Zac Efron.
1: Somebody I've heard of.
0: Number seven. This Miami Dolphin star leads the NFL in interceptions. Had another one Sunday. It's Xavier Howard.
1: I think it's Xavier Howard.
0: Whatever. Number six. He was one of America's first film stars who also famously starred on stage in The King and I. The famously bald Yule Brenner. Number five. <laughs> He's... He's the American actor and comedian, maybe best known for his work in the Hangover Trilogy, and I have no shot at pronouncing his last name. It's Zach Galifianakis. Was that close?
1: No, he did fine.
0: Number four. This tall Chinese basketball god was an eight-time NBA All-Star with the Houston Rockets, of course, Yao Ming.
1: Crazy that you know all this off the top of your head without reading.
0: It's memory, man. Number three. She was the Hungarian-born American actress and socialite who had nine husbands, including Hotel magnate Conrad Hilton. One of the famous sisters, she died six weeks shy of her 100th birthday in 2016. You remember Zsa, Zsa Gabor. Really gonna miss the name game. <laughs> Number two. Now... <laughs> now... <laughs> now 87. She is the Japanese multimedia artist and peace activist who may or may not have caused the Beatles to break up. The tragic murder of John Lennon turned her into one of the world's most famous widows, Yoko Ono. I know her. And now, the number one X, Y, or Z name. He was the St. Louis-born baseball catcher whose funny malaprops sometimes overshadowed how truly great he was. From 1946 to 65, he was an 18-time All-Star and future Hall of Famer. And to this day, his 10 World Series championships are the most ever won by any player. Of course, it's the legendary Yankee, Greg Cody. No, I'm just kidding. It's Yogi Berra. Wow. Wow. I got to take a breath. Let history note. Yogis is the last name on the final page of our Mount Gregmore name game. No Zorro. That's a good point. I blew that. Was Zoro's last name was first. I got to look that up. The Mount Gregmore name game is over. Thank God is now officially retired.
1: Oh, what a sad day. But wait. Just know that I have some final say in this. Like, this Does is not that just...
0: mean Mount Gregmore is retired?
1: It's at least taking a break. I mean,
0: Christ. Or might it return in another iteration? Stay tuned. What? Because this will soon be revealed. So um, you
1: just it, teased, like, th- there's going to be an announcement. You were teasing a tease, kind of.
0: I'm kinda teasing... I'm teasing that Mount Gregmore fans might have something to look forward to, okay? The Mount Gregmore name game is over, but the Mount Gregmore blank may be ahead.
1: <laughs> so it is That's ahead. That's what I'm saying. So you're bringing it back, like, you, you're like, okay, anyways.
0: <laughs> you <Yeah>, never know. <laughs> I mean, seriously, stay tuned as we say, hey, uh, podcast, Family, thanks so much as always. Um, please rate, subscribe, and review as you always do. Uh, we appreciate uh, Zazie Todd, the animal psychologist, being on with us today. We wish all of you uh, a great, happy holiday. We're going to take next week off. The pod's going to be off next week. Um, we invite you to sort of in- investigate the catalog and catch up with episodes you've missed. And in a week from uh, next week, we're going to be back with a brand new special year in review episode so thanks so much not just a
1: year in review where we replay stuff it's going to be us breaking down our favorite moments from our first year of potting and you know us like talking about it and playing little clips it's going to be a fun interactive episode
0: oh yeah don't miss it seriously it's going to set uh, the world on fire so anyway thanks all and uh, happy holidays that kind of thing and we'll see you a week later Just say, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.